This is Courtney Hay. I see the girls by the pool. And I am shaking. And they are playing it cool. This is and they the are playing Wise Gals Podcast. And in rhythm. We're constantly learning. And in rhythm. Period. End of sentence. Hello. 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 Welcome back for round four of the Wise Gals. Wow, wow, wow. We've made it this far. We have, we have. For those of you who've been following along our journey and our episodes, you know that we work to cover topics involving women's health. So far, the topics that we have covered has been menstruation, the details of the menstrual cycle, confrontation from the female perspective, and our last episode touched on the topic of depression within women's health. If you're interested in educating yourself on any of these topics... Go and check them out, episodes one, two, and three. Check them out. Don't miss them. Now, this week on our journey, we are shedding some light, some much-needed light into women's health by discussing the topic of contraceptives, also known as birth control. Today, we will be discussing not only the different types of contraceptives and how they work on the female body, but we want to open up a conversation on the cultural, societal, and financial perspective and barriers within contraceptives. The main use of contraceptives is, of course, to prevent unplanned pregnancies. Unplanned pregnancies can be life-altering, they're a tough mental struggle, and financially they can be devastating. Unintended pregnancies represents reproductive health disparities because it's more common amongst marginalized groups, mm. including certain ethnic groups, financially unstable individuals, and those who are of low socioeconomic status. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Now, without proper education on contraceptives or on how they work or how to access them, it can result in a lot of unintended pregnancies, as yeah. you just said, Court. Of course, yeah. So... I decided to do my research and look into a few Canadian statistics. There are over 180,000 unintended pregnancies annually in Canada. Holy, that's a lot. Yes. 58% of these unintended pregnancies occur in women aged 20 to 29 years. Okay. That's in our age group. Yeah. And 15 to 19 year old have the highest proportion of unintended preg- unintended pregnancies with 82% of pregnancies being unintended. Okay, that makes sense. Right. You know, not many 15-year-olds are looking for pregnancy. Planning yeah, for pregnancy, yeah. yeah. So in Canada, research has found that only 65% of women reproductive age who are not trying to conceive, quote-unquote, always use a method of contraception. Okay. But... Conversely, 35% either never use contraception or use contraception inconsistently. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women claim to use contraceptives, but they have proven that they either don't know how to use them, they don't use them, or they don't use them properly. Of course, yeah. So let's agree in this episode, we're going to break apart these statistics and understand why in our country it seems that we're so highly educated within these topics of reproductive health, but at the same time, something that we have access to is not working as planned. Yeah, what's going on here? Exactly. Let's let's figure this out. Let's break it down. 
Okay, so let's start it off. Uh, what are contraceptives? What are they? I tell me. I will tell you. Please. So, a contraceptive is basically it tries to stop pregnancy from happening. So, a woman can get pregnant when a sperm reaches the egg or the ova and fertilizes it. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, they prevent this from happening. So, they do this through keeping the egg and the sperm apart by stopping the ovulation, so the egg being released into the uterus, or stopping the combination of the sperm and the egg, so actually from the sperm fertilizing it, and attaching to the lining of the womb. Working hard. Mm-hmm. So in the U.S., about 64.9% of women of the reproductive age are using contraceptives. And there is an array of contraceptives which are useful in preventing pregnancy. Contraceptive science is at a point where women who are fortunate enough to have access have the choice mm. as to which type of contraceptive that is most ideal for their body, with, of course, the goal to be preventing pregnancy. That's super awesome because if one doesn't work for your body, which mm. it may not, you do have the option of put, trying out a different contraceptive. Right. And the idea of, like, not being able to use a contraceptive isn't really a thing because we have so many options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is true. A lot of women I know will go towards one contraceptive and it doesn't work for them and it kind of scares them off that contraceptive. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, no, it doesn't work for me. It did this to my body. Therefore, I'm not going to use it. But mm-hmm. actually, there is, like, this whole array of ways to protect yourself. Yeah. Not only are there, you know, different types of contraceptives within one specific category, but looking at the whole picture, there are actually 15 different types of contraceptives. Dang, that's more than I knew there was. <laughs> are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm about to list them off. We won't cover these all during this episode, but feel free to look these up. So, the 15 include caps, combined pill, condoms for females, condoms for males, contraceptive implant, contraceptive injection, contraceptive patch, diaphragms, intrauterine device, which is an IUD, intrauterine system, which is an IUS, natural family planning, progesterone-only pill, and vaginal ring. Now, I'm not done there. (laughs) There are two permanent methods of contraceptives, which are female sterilization and male sterilization. So, that is a big array of options. You have a lot to choose from when it comes to contraceptives, whether that be permanent or temporary. Temporary. Thank yeah. You. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the com- more commonly used contraceptives yes. amongst women our age. And we're going to start off by talking about the pill or Ooh. more fun- formally known as the oral contraceptive. So the oral contraceptive is a form of hormonal birth control that you can take and it has to be taken every day. Mm -hmm. So there's two types of oral contraceptives. So there's the commonly known combined oral contraceptives as well as the progestin only oral contraceptive. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So the the combined oral contraceptive contains both estrogen and progestin. Progestin is a synthetic form of the hormone progesterone. If you're unsure about these types of hormones and you would like to learn more about them, please listen to our episode episode one. Yes. We dive into all the hormones of the menstrual cycle. You will definitely learn about those. Yes. So the oral contraceptive works to maintain constant levels of these hormones, estrogen and progestin, in the body. By maintaining the constant levels of the hormones... The contraceptive prevents pregnancy through three methods. So the first method, it prevents ovulation. 
So the estrogen that is maintained throughout uh, the menstrual cycle creates a signal to the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland to prevent the least release of the hormone follicle stimulating hormone or co- more commonly known as FSH which then causes ovulation. And again, if you're confused by any of these terms, that's in our very first episode Plug on period. Yes. So with no ovulation, there's no egg released and then there's nothing to be fertilized, so no pregnancy. It also protects pregnancy or prevents pregnancy, sorry, through the progestin levels, and they keep the cervical mucus thick so that the sperm cannot travel through or has a more hard time getting through the cervix towards the uterus, mm-hmm. as well as progestin also acts to keep the lining of the uterus, so n- known as the endometrium, thin. So if an egg was to be released and a sperm was to get through and to fertilize it, the environment is not ideal, so the egg won't be implanted and it will just be ejected when you have your period. Ah, mm-hmm. wow. So the pill's working in many different ways. Yeah, so it's very protective. Um, typically, in a, like a pack, you have 28 days. So 20, mm-hmm. 21 of those pills are what we call our active pills, and these contain the hormones. And the other seven days are what we call our inactive or resting pills. The pink pills. Yes. <laughs> they, they don't contain the hormones. Not all birth control packs are going to have 28 days. Some are only 21, and mm. you yourself you just, just don't take... for those seven days. Yeah, that's... I'm on oral birth control, and that's what I do. I have right. 21 days, and I just count how many days I'm off. I would lose track of that so fast. And that's why they do have a lot right. of, like, the withdrawal pills. Um, so, again, the inactive pills allow the woman to have this, what we call our withdrawal bleed, which is your period. And women are still protected from being pregnant during these seven days, but it does it allows them to have their period. Right. So it's just a time for a break yes. and for the natural cycle to occur. Exactly. Great. So that's the combined oral contraceptive. There's also the one that's progestin only pill. So this type of oral contraceptive only contains the one hormone progestin. You don't have the estrogen. So the pill effectively works the same way as the combined oral contraceptive, except it doesn't have the estrogen. So this doesn't have the negative feedback loop preventing the FSH from being released. So ovulation is more likely to occur. Okay. Yes, it is being suppressed, but it is more likely to occur than when you're on the combined oral contraceptive. Right, with the combined one, you don't ovulate. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, that's the idea. Right. Um, (laughs) Hopefully. Yes. There are, you know, sometimes. But anyways, the pill is recommended for people who experience side effects when they're taking the combined oral contraceptive or they have history of breast cancer and or other health complications. If you are confused on which pill you should be taking, talk to your healthcare provider. It's always best practice to have an open conversation with them about this because they're the ones that know best. And there's so many different companies, too, that have these pills, and you might not work with one specific one, so you switch over to another, your doctor's going to know what's best. So in the progestion-only pack, uh, there's 21 pills in the pack, and all of them are active. So, yes. So when you're using this, you when you take your withdrawal period, you just have to count. Um, when you're using this form of oral contraceptive, women may be more likely to experience menstrual bleeding. This can be experienced one time a month, on and off throughout the month, or no bleeding at all. Mm. This side effect occurs just because the estrogen isn't being released, and the estrogen acts to stabilize the lining of your uterus, which is known as your endometrium, making it more likely for you to see, you know, the breakthrough bleeding, which is the random bleeding throughout the month, or what more commonly known as spotting. Right. So, women who take this type of pill, the progestin pill, 
they're more likely to not even get their period at all? It depends. So if they choose not to take the seven days of withdrawal period, then no. But there is a more likely chance that they will have what we call breakthrough bleeding, which is just random spotting, because there's no estrogen to help support the lining of the uterus. Okay, cool. Um, So oral contraceptives are very effective forms of birth control, though. You know, it's 99% effective when they are used properly. Properly. Yes. Keyword. Big emphasis on properly. Um, When the oral contraceptive is used typically, so it's not taken at the same time every day. So Everyone's guilty of that. (laughs) Yes. So when you're on the combined contraceptive pill, you have to take it every day. Um, Sometimes people forget and they don't take it every day. They double up. Yes. And the progestin-only pill, you have to take it every day at the exact same time. Mm. So again, if you don't take it at the same time, this could also reduce the effect. Yes, exactly. So if... Okay, here's a theoretical question for you. Shoot. If I'm on this progestin pill. Yeah. Or on the combined pill. Oh, yes, yeah. And I choose to skip my period or choose to skip that seven-day withdrawal period, Mm -hmm. is that a bad thing to do? That's a good question. You know, growing up, I remember in my grade nine uh, phys ed class, my phys ed teacher told us that this was really bad for your body. I remember her specifically saying, like, you could do it for a month, but it's not good for you. Yeah, I've heard that a lot of times before, too. Yeah, but that's a pretty big misconception. Uh, In short, no, actually. Hmm. It's completely safe for you to skip the menstrual period. Okay. So simply, you just discard the seven rest day pills, and on day 22, you start the first pill of the new pack. Okay. Um, If you're in a position where bleeding might be inconvenient, you're going on vacation, it might be consequential, say you're doing some type of athletic competition, Mm. or you're unable to care for yourself in a clean environment, you know, for example, if you're going camping, I've done that many times before, or for women who experience extremely painful symptoms, you can skip your period. It's completely healthy. There's no evidence to suggest that it's unhealthy for you. That's good that we cleared that up because that's a misconception that I hear all the time and I hear between women. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that that's actually not true. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hit you with another question here. All right. I'm ready. So if I choose not to have my period and skip that seven days, why should I even bother getting my period if I know that I can just skip it and still be healthy? Yeah. That's it. I think a lot of women might question that, yeah. including myself. You know, one reason you might still want to get your period is simply just peace of mind. If you right. are sexually active, having your period once a month is just reinforcing. A reminder. Yes, you are not pregnant. It's giving you that peace of mind to know. I did do some research suggesting that, you know, the desire to not have a period could potentially be linked to a woman's shame. Oh, okay. At first I was confused, but it makes a lot of sense, so hear me out. <laughs> okay, I got you. Hear me out. So... Menstruation in today's society is such a taboo topic, as we know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, menstruating women are often perceived as being uncleaned, historically, right. arguably, still today. And because of this idea, there is a lot of stigma for women surrounding their menstruation. And this is so evident in the way that we speak about our menstruation, you know, we whisper about it. Right. We don't publicly talk about it. We, like, discreetly pass somebody a yeah. tampon under the desk. Exactly. We hide our products, our yeah. menstrual products. We don't want people to know when we are menstruating simply out of 
fear of being treated differently. Right, okay. And this stigma can often lead women to feel shame about their menstruation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this can cause women to fe- become out of tune with their body, so they're not sure when they're ovulating, they're not sure about their symptoms associated with different phases of their menstrual cycle, and even lead them to desire to stop menstruating completely. Okay. So, you know, having a menstrual cycle is what makes us women. We should yeah. feel pride and confident during our times of our period. Mm-hmm. And... I think that this is just something to think about and yeah. consider your reasons if you're thinking about using an oral contraceptive to prevent having your periods. Just think about why you're, wh- where this desire is coming from and if you're being influenced through shame in any kind of way. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I can stop having my period and that's fine, but also realize that is this a decision that I'm making for myself or is it a decision from kind of a societal perspective? Yeah, just, yeah. Okay. Having a a period is what makes us us. Yeah. And I don't think that you should feel shame and have a desire to not want to have a period because of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have one last question for you. I'm ready. I'm going to hit you with all the questions today. So, I've heard this a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people will say, you know, I've been on birth control for this many years, and I think this is going to affect my chance of getting pregnant when I go off the pill. Mm -hmm. So, my question is, will using birth control or oral contraceptives influence my risk of getting pregnant in my later years? Yeah, that's a huge one. I've been told that a lot. Yeah. Because you've been on it for a while. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, you should get off of it because it could influence your fertility, but that's another huge misconception. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Research Here shows... we are. We're, we're telling the truth We today. are spitting facts. So, research actually shows oral contraceptives do not have an influence on fertility when you stop taking them. Okay. Fertility issues can arise from other factors associated with oral contraceptives. So, for example, women who want to get their career started and delay the start of a family, they may use oral contraceptives um, to prevent having a child early on. And they might have fertility issues, but this is associated with age and not oral contraceptives. Mm, Right. Okay. Yeah. Good for thought. Wow. Okay. You really spilled all the facts about oral contraceptives. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but I'm going to steal the spotlight away from you for just Please a while. do. I am going to talk a little bit about IUDs. Ah, yes. That's ah. a very another common form of contraceptives. Yeah. I know a lot of people that use IUD. Yeah, me too. IUD, yeah. So IUD stands for intrauterine device. There are two different types. There's a hormonal IUD and there is a copper IUD. Okay, please tell me more. Oh, I will. Don't you worry. (laughs) So the hormonal IUD is a prescription of medication. It's a hormone releasing system that's placed into the uterus and prevents pregnancy for up to three to five years. Okay, wow. And for those of you that maybe want a visual of, you know, what is this system being placed into my uterus it looks almost like a tea mm-hmm. and it's placed up in the uterus um very little impact upon insertion and can be taken out really easily so the hormone for the hormonal iud that they use is progesterone 
And a lot of women use this type of IUD to lessen the blood flow during their period. So within the first three months that they get this IUD inserted, Mm -hmm. they will get spotting. But after about a year, most women actually have no period whatsoever. And just a question, can you insert it yourself? No. No, no. So you can't insert your IUD yourself. You have to go to your healthcare provider to get it inserted. Okay, okay. Um, And I have heard a downside of it that it can be a little bit painful when you get it inserted. Mm -hmm. But I have heard that it does really pay off in the end. Yeah. So, another reason women use this hormonal IUD is to ease cramps. Mm. So, doctors will prescribe this for women who have really bad cramping uh, each time of the month. And basically, what this IUD does to prevent pregnancy is it thickens the mucus that lives on the cervix, which blocks and traps sperm. Mm -hmm. And also, the hormones stop the egg from leaving the ovaries, so you don't ovulate. And that means there's no egg for the st- sperm to fertilize. Mm-hmm. So it works similar to an oral contraceptive. Uh, yeah. In methods. Yeah. So pregnancy. this hormonal one is very similar to the oral contraceptives because they're both hormonal ways of preventing pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Now the copper IUD is hormone free, and it uses copper to prevent pregnancy. So depending on the company that you use, this IUD can last up to 12 years. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to keep it in for 12 years. It means you can get it removed whenever you want. If you're planning for uh, to have a child, you can take it out with your healthcare provider. But the copper IUD basically releases cytotoxic ions that destroy the sperm or they change the movement and the path of the sperm, almost like scaring them away from the egg. They get all funny. They get all funny. They swim away and that's what prevents pregnancy. Okay. Now, this one does create heavier periods and more painful cramping. So, uh, throughout my research, I found that doctors whose patients experienced heavy periods or experienced cramping, they did not give them the copper IUD because that would worsen their symptoms. And the hormonal IUD, the period is... The period's lessened or okay. there is no period. Oh, okay. And then also the cramps are lessened a lot more. Okay. Got so, it. there are different reactions to whatever IUD you choose. Yeah. Now, I looked at the pros and cons of the IUD, and looking at the pros first, studies found that IUDs are protective against endometrial cancer, which is Ah, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Also, looking at another pro, failure is amongst the lowest for reversible methods of contraception. It's around 0.02% to 0.2 percent. Oh wow, that's low. That's yeah. yeah, so that's like very low chance of getting pregnant with yeah. an IUD inserted. Now looking at the cons, the, vi- the device may be expelled partially or completely within the few months of insertion, meaning it can be dislodged. Oh yeah, like rejected ways. I guess. Rejected, yeah. yeah, and that can leave you at risk of pregnancy without you even knowing it because you won't be able to feel it. Oh, which is, might be a little bit scary, but the chances are low. And also, women using IUDs depend on qualified health providers for the insertion and removal. So, obviously, in Canada, we have some good health insurance, we have coverage, but if you're looking at an IUD in the States, it will cost a lot more. Yeah. Now, may I remind you that we've talked about IUDs and we have talked about 
oral contraceptives. And yes, these are great methods to prevent pregnancies, but these do not stop the spread of sexually transmitted infections. Yes. Not at all. Not at all. Nada. So, if you are questioning if you should still use a condom, if you are using other types of contraceptives like birth control or an IUD, the answer is yes. Yes. (laughs) In short, yes. Condoms are important to use, especially when you're in a situation in which you have many sexual partners, Mm -hmm. because condoms prevent against pregnancy, yes, but also STIs. Yes. So if the condom is used properly, then it has, you know, it's effective about 98% at preventing pregnancies as well as STI transfer. And yes, there is a proper way of using a condom. We're not going to explain it now, but go look it up if you need to. (laughs) Yes, it's important to educate yourself. Yes. And it's also important to be prepared and to protect yourself. Don't be ashamed to have condoms and don't be ashamed to ask a male partner to wear them. Mm -mm. There can sometimes be the social stigma for girls when they're purchasing condoms or keeping them on us, bringing them with us, but in the end, it's more important to be healthy, Mm -hmm. so protect yourself, take the measures you need, and bring a condom if you feel that it's warranted. Yeah. Now, looking at condoms, looking at IUDs, and also oral contraceptive research, I found it really interesting because... I was looking at all of these different health articles which were dedicated to contraceptives for young women around the age of 15 to maybe 23, Mm -hmm. and they touched on the topic of contraceptives like the pill to improve acne or to lessen cramps, but a lot of those websites didn't actually touch upon preventing pregnancy and promoting safe sex. Yeah. Which was really interesting. That's shocking, yeah. These health articles almost treated safe sex and preventing pregnancy as a taboo subject for young women. So I found there was a big lack of knowledge, a lack of um, access to this really important education. Mm-hmm. So there's this really large educational portion of contraception contraceptives that young people don't have access to, and I think that's where there lies a really big barrier within preventing unwanted pregnancies. Yeah, it's almost like the first step into preventing unwanted pregnancies is first education. So when I noticed that gap in research, I started looking into research within that one area. Yeah. And one paper suggested that for teens who have engaging conversations with their parents surrounding proper sexual health, so non-sexual, you know, risky behaviors. Okay, yeah. So people who had those healthy conversations with their parents had less of a chance of getting an STI Mm -hmm. and less of a chance of an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. So it's important to note, however, that not all education about sex for teens has to come from their parents. Yeah, Things like this podcast can be given to a young person for them to understand what's out there for them, how it should be implemented in their life in a non-risky way. Yeah. Uh, there's also things like community centers, schools, you know, your general health care provider who can really help young women understand 
how to prevent pregnancy without being stigmatized. Yeah, exactly. Another study that I looked at showed that urban women and women who had at least some college or university education were likely to, quote-unquote, always use contraception rather than their rural counterparts or women with a high school education or less. Interesting. So, within this topic, education is huge. It's almost a method of contraception in a social aspect. Yes, 100%. So, education is, or I should say lack of education, is a Mm -hmm. barrier to contraceptives for young women, but also financial status could also be a potential barrier definitely in access to these different types of contraceptives for women so for example depending on where you live oral contraceptives can cost approximately about 11 dollars per unit and you need about 13 units per year so you're looking at doing the math here around 140 dollars exactly which is unaccessible to some women yes it very much is unaccessible to many women So, here in Ontario, you can gain access till the age of 22 to an oral contraceptive for free. But it is important to note that this type of oral contraceptive is the generic type of birth Mm. control. And there are many different types. There's many different types. And for myself, I use um, oral contraceptive, the combined pill. Tell us the brand. (laughs) (laughs) So, for me, when I went on the generic type, I had a really bad reaction. Me too. Just symptoms. I mood was everywhere. I had some physical changes. I had my my hair was falling out. That was a big one for me. Not wanted. No. Yes. Definitely not. And so I react really bad to this. And so because of that, I'm on a very specific brand Mm -hmm. of birth control. And because of that, I do have to pay extra for it. It isn't free. Um, Luckily, I do have insurance, but... I am one of few. Other people are not as fortunate as me. And especially for our listeners out there that are from the States, because I know some of you are, Mm -hmm. oral contraceptives are extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the right health care, you're paying upwards of I don't know how much, but a lot. Yeah, and it's not always accessible, so we need to take this into consideration when we're talking about contraceptives in general Mm -hmm. for women. Even looking at condoms. I mean, condoms are one of the cheapest contraceptive methods, but if you don't have the financial means for that, you can't afford the most basic way of preventing unwarranted pregnancies. Now, if you are looking for condoms for free, you can go into your local sexual health clinic and they do have them for free if you're a student you can go into your health center and they do have them for free Mm -hmm. uh which is a good means to get them yeah these are almost the negative aspects of contraceptives but i do think that the implementation of contraceptives within our world has been really positive on women oh yes yes so if you look at it Women have entered a male-oriented workforce because they now have the means to prevent unwarranted pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies, and get into higher education and get into a job that they have the time to do Mm -hmm. instead of looking after a traditional family. Yeah. And I do think it's important when we're talking about this that these benefits are amazing for women. But we also need to consider and reflect on who are these benefits being provided for. Right. Right? So, it's great that these women can pro- 
delay the onset of a family and complete their higher education, but mm-hmm. which group of women have access to these oral yeah. contraceptives and enable them to do that. Not right? every woman has this power. Exactly. Right. So looking at the socioeconomic status of that all. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of that is women are able to decide how many children they want. Yeah. And I looked into a study of contraceptives, unexpected pregnancies and whatnot, and it actually turns out that couples who experience an unintended pregnancy or unplanned childbirth are more likely to have depression and anxiety, while adults who plan their children tend to be happier. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I think having a child or a baby is a huge psychosocial transition Mm -hmm. in which your relationships are changed with people in your social environment, your identity has changed, your sense of self has changed, yeah. and being able to plan for that yeah, it allows for an easier transition opposed to unexpectedly having this whole, right. your whole world changed, right? So I guess what we're saying is we do have access to these means, it just depends on you know, what our backgrounds are really, our financial background, ethnic background ethnic educational background so leveling out this playing field of contraceptives would be so beneficial to women worldwide yes i agree shay leaving you guys on a high note (laughs) i want to give you a fact (laughs) sort of (laughs) i want to give you a fact now condoms have been around for a very very long time how long shay let me tell you okay the earliest known existence of a condom was in an illustration in a cave in France, and that was 15,000 years ago. Holy camoly. That's a long time. Yeah, that is. Now, so be like your ancestors. Be like your ancestors, stay safe, stay protected, and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to The Wise Gals. Thank you. Bye. Bye.